When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Love Rugby League podcast, bringing you the latest rugby league news, talking points and exclusive interviews. Listen as fellow fans and experts discuss the burning issues in the game and share their bold predictions. We're out every Wednesday to look ahead to your rugby league weekend. Welcome to the Love Rugby League podcast, talking life and league for 45 minutes or thereabouts every week of the year. One big in-depth feature interview each week with one of the biggest names in the greatest game and all the big issues as well dissected by the Love Rugby League team. Download us on Spotify, Apple and do please leave a review as well and all the other major podcast providers and make sure to follow Love Rugby League on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram for exclusive news and features from right across Rugby League. You can find us online at loverugbyleague.com. This is the Love Rugby League podcast. Keep up with all things Rugby League 24-7. Head on over to loverugbyleague.com. Welcome then to this week's Love Rugby League podcast. A slightly different feel about this week's episode as we get amongst the Super League Dream Team and the playoff series as well with some exclusive interviews from this year's star men. On the way, you'll hear from the Leeds and England prop Mikolai Oledski in his unique Yorkshire Poland's twang on what Rowan Smith has done to get the Rhinos players smiling again. We'll hear from the Salford player Ken Seer as well on the mentality of the underdog. Huddersfield and potentially England second row. Who knows? Chris McQueen's with us on this season's aspirations and the end of season aspirations for him as well. Uh, there's Jai Field on Bevan French and Jack Wellsby on what's driving St Helens to make history. Oh, and the boys will be here a bit later on as well. Love Rugby League's Josh McAllister and editor James Gordon. Well, first up, I sat down with a man with a great story to tell. Nikolai Oledski arrived from Poland, having never picked up a rugby ball. And he's been telling me what he now thinks that he and his mates can achieve at Headingley. Abik, how are you, first of all? And, you know, fresh from scraping in. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts now, a, a few hours on? Yeah, to be honest, um... Last, last yesterday's game, it was um, it was it was glorious. It wasn't really um, a pretty game. It was kind of one of them where both teams were, you know, not firing all cylinders, and um, it was the team that could grind it out and you know complete a set or two that would have would have took it home. So um, you know, cast defended well. They, they scrambled well for each other, and credit to them. Um, you know, with, with the I know a lot of teams have injuries, but. They've had fewer injuries and um, they still, you know, turned up and um, and tried to try to give us a good game. So, um, but yeah, you know, slept on it and 
just really happy we could make the playoffs and after the start of the year we had uh, you know to make playoffs is, is is a big achievement for us as a team and uh, you know now we need to reset ourselves forget about the last two games and uh, you know get back to what we've been doing you know last last few weeks before that Rowan came up with words like resilience bravery yep. togetherness adversity are they the kind of things that can see you through to a grand final or do you need a bit more than that yeah I think we've shown a lot of that um, last few weeks um, I think we've had some tough games where um, it's gone down it's gone down to the wire and um, like Rowan says the resilience and you know the t- togetherness and uh, I reckon you know that um, that willingness to work for each other that we've got, I reckon, got us over the line. When you look at our scores, you know, the pretty close games, and most of them we've won in second half, so, uh, you know, last 10, 15 minutes. So I reckon, um, yeah, it's a big part of what we're doing. Um, but, you know, we also we also know that if we don't turn up with the right mindset and right, you know, right skill, right, you know, the simple stuff, um, we're, we're going to struggle. Leeds traditionally like finishing kind of fifth, six, and going on a little run against the odds. Is, yeah. is there anything that you've talked about in that regard? Is that something you might draw upon going into this? Well, I think we were 12 at one point this year, that's so right. yeah, I think that's a new record. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, uh, Rowan, when he's come in, he took a lot of pressure off us. We've got a pretty young team, and um, and you know, he understands that we, do, we probably don't need all that pressure piling on us, you know. While, while we're playing and uh, he took a lot of pressure off us uh, you know especially the young guys and you know just said go enjoy yourself you're here for you know you're here for a reason you're good players go out there enjoy yourself enjoy your rugby and uh, and the rest will take care of itself and you know that's what we've done and I think you can see the way we play you know throw ball about and uh, I know yesterday you know what a good example but the way we throw the ball about and uh, it's kind of never too late to win a game, you know. We're always confident that we can come back and score points. So, yeah, in in that regards, um, he's come in and done a really good job, you know, to give us that um, free pass to play, to express ourselves and um, enjoy our rugby, most of all. And just one on you and your journey to here and, and from here. I, I know you're a very ambitious guy. I think I've spoke to you before. Like one day you'd like to maybe chance it in the NRL. Mm. Um, where are you now? And are you at a point in your career that you want to start winning stuff now? Yeah, uh, you know I've had uh, I've had a tough uh, tough start. You know when it comes to kind of uh, winning and uh, you know it's not been uh, quite. Quite, you know, um, I've not had many trophies apart from the Challenge Cup, and uh, my first few years, you know, we, we did manage to finish where where we wanted in the in the league, and um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm at a point now where I really I'm really hungry for some for some silverware, and uh, we've got a great team at Leeds building, you know, building a great team at Leeds now, and a lot of young guys coming through, um, full of talent and you know enthusiasm and determination to, to, to win some silverware and um, yeah you know there's a, there's something special building and Rowan Rowan's a big part of that and um, yeah I'm, I'm really happy at Leeds uh, you know right now and uh, really excited you know for to see what the next three years bring so that's Mikolai Oledsky what a season he has had with Leeds and what a season Chris McQueen has had at the Huddersfield Giants and he's been speaking with Drew Derbyshire 
Chris, you've been named in the Super League Dream Team. How does it feel? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's good. It's it's a surprise. It's not something that I was really even thinking yeah. about. Um, you know, I was just trying to concentrate on, on footy and that sort of thing. And then I showed up for the game we played on Monday night and I showed up for the game and um, the boys already knew at the club so they let me know that I'd been selected so I was very pleased. So what does it feel like being named in, in the dream? Because obviously you came over from, from the NRL, you've had a couple of seasons at, at Huddersfield now. How does it feel to, to still be kicking on in the latter stages of your career? And, yeah, it, it, it feels good. So I came over here, um, you know, with, with I felt like I had a point to prove and I felt like I still had some good footy yeah. in me. And I know, you know, I know some of the, the, the players that come over from Australia are probably on their last legs and they cop a bit of, a bit of stick for coming over yeah. here and underperforming and I wanted to make sure that that wasn't me so um, you know I, I've trained hard and I've tried really hard to play my best footy and um, you know this is I guess is, is a reward and a reflection of the fact that I am still playing good footy so um, as I said I'm, I'm really proud of you. Seems like you're looking at Huddersfield. Hey? It seems like you're loving it at Huddersfield. Yeah yeah um, you know we're, we're having some on-field success and that certainly makes it easy for me to show up day in day out and, and makes it easy for me to do my job when all the other boys are doing theirs so um, yeah it, it's been a good a good season for me personally and for the club it seems like there's something special brewing under Ian Watson yeah there is there is um, he's brought in a, a good group of players um, you know, we've got a good culture at the club now uh, we're getting that belief that we can actually be competitive with the top sides um, so I, I certainly think um, in years to come as long as he stays here there's going to be success at the club uh, just, just reflecting back on the Challenge Cup final, obviously it was a bitter pill to swallow, but yourself played phenomenal out there. You came away with Lance Top. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I knew um, as the oldest guy in the team, and, and it's probably fair to say I'm the most experienced guy in the team, um, I knew going into that game that if we wanted to, to win, and if I wanted to win, I had to show up and, and play my best game and, and lead the way for some of the young boys and some of the boys that, that haven't necessarily played in big games like that um, so that's what I tried to do and obviously as you said it, it's, it's disappointing and it still hurts a lot but um, you know we can take a lot out of that and as a, as a team we can be proud of ourselves and um, as a player and, and as, a, as a leader and as um, one of the captains of the club I'm very proud of the performance that I put in that day. Yeah you, you've played for England on the international scene I know you've said you'll, you'll put your hand up have you, have you spoken to? I haven't I haven't spoke to anyone um, you know, as I said I'm sure Sean's got his, his uh, you know, he's got his systems in place, and I'm sure he, he knows what he's doing and what he's looking for in a team. So yeah, as I said, if he gives me a call, if, if he wants to go that way, then yeah, absolutely, I'll, I'll put my hand up and play. But if he doesn't, that's fine too. Uh, my main focus at the moment is is playing for the Giants, and yeah, um, yeah we've still got a job to do uh, with, with the Giants. So yeah, that's my main focus. Where does playing for England ranking in terms of achievements in your career? I, I suppose it'd be a very proud moment for yourself yeah, and your family. It's, it's something I'm very proud of. I remember uh, when I got the call from, from Wayne Bennett that he was going to select me and the first thing I did when I got off the phone was call my dad and um, we, we had a really special moment about the fact that um, I was going to get selected for England. So yeah, that's something I'm really proud of. Well, you wonder if McQueen can force his way into that England squad. Uh, do let us know your thoughts across Love Rugby League. Now, Huddersfield host a Salford side who have become this season the great entertainers, thanks largely to a brilliant spine of Croft, Sneed and Briley, the dancing feats of Tim Laffey and the try-scoring threat of Ken Seo, who has also been speaking to Drew. Ken, in the Super League Dream Team, it's been another good year for yourself. Near the top of the try-scoring charts in Super League, 
finished top try scorer last year. Uh, you're going pretty well at the moment. Yeah, I am, and uh, you know, that's a credit to the team. You know, they do all, you know, our spine, our forwards. I just do the pretty stuff and just finish it <laughs> off, <laughs> to be honest, yeah. No, but yeah, it's a credit to the boys and, uh, yeah, just playing good footy, so can't complain. I mean, it's been fantastic watching Salford this year. The, the type of rugby you play, it's, yeah. it's so entertaining. But it must be a, working under Paul, and I know you two were having a couple of laughs then. Uh, it must be pretty good to, to be working under him. It seems to be a, a great bond. Yeah, um, before Rose became a coach, um, you know, it was, I was cracking a laugh with him and played golf with him. Still to this oh, day, we still do the same thing. But no, he's just a great bloke as well. Just, just not, not just as a coach, but as a person. Yeah. Um, you know, most of the boys highly respect him and what he brings to the table. And um, I think he gets the best out of the players as well. And um, yeah, and what he's and the style he brings to this club, you know, it's different. And um, obviously, that's why everyone loves it. Yeah, I've, I've spoken to Ryan Bradley a, a couple of times, and he says it's not, it's not off the court. Like yeah. it's, it's practice. Yeah. How much practice has gone in training and pre-season and things like that to, to get that attack nailed on? I was pretty much from day dot, man. Like day one of pre-season, they just hammered it into us. And it was like it was never off the cuff. It's our system. It's our style of play. And, you know, and I love it to be honest. I love it. Like get involved, teams. You know, wingers lose their license to roam around wherever they have, and just you know. But yeah, it's it's an awesome style of playing, and uh, you know, big thanks to him and where we are now. Yeah. Uh, you seem to you seem to love it at Salford, don't you? You seem to be really settled here. Obviously, your partner is plays for for the women's side as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been here for four years now, and um, you know, ever since I've signed here, I've always my main goal. One of my goals was to try and win a silverware. Didn't get it in '19. Missed the oh, challenge. Cool. Yeah, missed the challenge cup. You know, hopefully this year we can go all the way and you know go that one step further. I love it here. I'm enjoying my time. They've been good to me and my family, so uh, I can't complain, man. It's big credit to the club for you know bringing me over here and uh, also Wado, who was here at the time. You know, he brought me over as well and pushed for me. So no, it's credit to them for bringing me over. I love the whole experience just being up here. Well, St Helens and Wigan have their feet up this week, of course, so an ideal chance perhaps to take stock and reflect, as I've been doing with one of their rising stars, Jack Wellsby. Where are you right now? Where are Saints right now? How are you feeling at kind of the end of the regular season with a bit of a lull before you, you have another crack? Yeah, no, um, obviously it's been a tough year with, with injuries and stuff. I think it's been hard, but... We've enjoyed it and obviously we finished top of the pile and that's what we wanted to do. It puts us in the best position going forward um, and yeah, looking forward to playoffs now. Just speaking to, to Mikaledski and he said he's kind of craving silverware at this point of this season because he hasn't really had any. You're kind of the opposite, aren't you? <laughs> you come yeah. into your career and it's all you've ever known. Is that kind of bred your winning mentality, the fact that you're, you're a born winner, you've come into a team and you're used to it? Uh, yeah, I think, I think I'm probably craving it as much as Mick uh, at this point of the season, I think. Gets to this point, you start getting excited. I think there's always a buzz around the Saints camp when uh, you, you hear the word grand final, really. So we're, we're looking forward to it. And I, I have been lucky with silverware at the early part of, my season, uh, part of my career, but I think that's down to the likes of Robes and Johnny, who I'm playing with. I think obviously they, 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 they breed it into you and uh, just try and take as much as I can off Robes and do my best, really. Speaking with Morgan Knowles last week, he, 
was keen to point out that actually Saints probably haven't had the respect this year or the recognition is probably a better word that they deserve because people are used to seeing Saints win but actually the amount of injuries and positional changes you've had to make you've really been doing it tough and that's that's kind of gone unnoticed yeah I, I, personally I don't mind that I think obviously going under the radar is not always a bad thing I think obviously there's there's been a lot of lot, lot of competition this year every game's been tough um, and that's not just down to injuries they've been they've, they've improved and Caught, caught us up really so we're uh, looking forward to the tests that are to come uh, semi-final two weeks yesterday uh, and then a grand final hopefully so uh, I, I like what Marg said though about um, we probably haven't had enough recognition and if we go and win this one this year there's, there's no doubt in it so that, that's what's, what the chat is we're, we're wanting to go and make it far and put us ourselves in history and the funny thing about that is that the team who wanted to and really keen to go under the radar your arch enemies Wigan they're always like Saints to the benchmark Wigan under the radar but everyone's seen what they've been doing this season with French and Field and winning the cup so they want to go under the radar but actually they've not been able to because they've been so good and everyone's seen how good they are yeah they've been awesome I think uh, GI and, and Bevan are uh, two of the best players in the competition hence why they're in the dream team and uh, the thing with them them two is you just can't switch off at any point as soon as you kick the ball sometimes you think alright oh, I can have a jog down not with them two you have to be on the ball and the, the Wigan's biggest threats and I think everyone knows that it's, it's not pointing out the obvious if, if you give them any open space they're going to score because if they get away you're not catching them so uh, yeah they've been brilliant and if we meet them in the final or wherever we meet them I'll be looking forward to testing myself against them Do you sometimes still pinch yourself? I know you're, you're kind of seasoned pro now I, t- I called you a born winner but you look around this room you still look kind of like you know the young kid who's just come yeah. through and I can say that as an old boy but do, do, do you ever find yourself thinking bloody hell I'm in this, and this is this is amazing. How, how lucky am I? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, like you said, with, with robes and stuff like that, and then fasten watching Sean Kenny Dow play for New Zealand growing up and stuff like that. It's a bit, it's a bit surreal. Uh, it's the first time I've ever had an event like this with a dream team because uh, of COVID last year and stuff. So last year I just got a shirt, and a little interview here and there. But being all together, it is a bit surreal, and uh, I've pinched myself every now and then because this is all I ever wanted to do as a kid. And just one on your coach, just finally, who's leaving. How, how good has he been? How much has he done for you as a person and a player? And how much do you want to send him back to Australia with another grand final win? Yeah, no, it's, it was sad to hear that he was going. Um, I think sort, sort of was always going to happen at this point in the season. I think there's obviously it's, it's not what we, we wanted to hear, but it's probably the best thing for him and his family. And uh, like you said I want to send him home with a, a trophy he's been brilliant for me personally but just not just me us as a team as well I think he's done a lot for me bringing me through and stuff and helping me and making me more confident in my game so uh, I wish him all the best going back and I'm sure he'll kill it he's one of the best coaches I've ever worked under If Saints are going to be stopped you would back Wigan Warriors arguably as the side to do it and Drew has been speaking to one of their most devastating players Jai Field Jay, you've been known in the Super League Dream Team. I mean, I know you're going to say it's all about the team accolades, but yeah. it must be a pretty special feeling. Yeah, it's obviously obviously nice to be selected, um, but it is obviously like a team thing, as you as you just said. Um, a lot of unsigned heroes, obviously Bev and I, and that obviously reap the rewards and yeah. scoring the tries. But a lot of a lot of work gets done inside us and laying that platform for us. So yeah, it is obviously nice to be picked, but yeah, it's a lot of a lot of unsigned heroes. Must be pretty nice feeling to to be picked alongside your Wigan teammates, Bev and Faz. Yeah, it is, mate. Um, obviously, Bev's career, season speaks for itself. Um, he's done some amazing stuff, and obviously, Faz just 
Fads just fads. You know what you're going to get from every week. And, and I think he's been selected a few times now as well, which is no surprise, but it is nice having him here. What's it been like this year at Wigan? There seems to be a, a very special feeling around the club. The fans are tied into the club. Obviously, you've, you've already enjoyed Challenge Cup success. The grand finals in sight. There's a little, little bit of work to be done beforehand, but it's, it's certainly in sight. And, it's just a, it's been a brilliant year for the club so far. Yeah, um, I think I've said a few times now, um, the beliefs that Maddie um, has come in and, and pushed and um, culture change and all that sort of stuff, like reconnecting the team with the town, um, it's just a really nice environment at the moment. Um, I think any football player or rugby player would say, um, when you're happy off the field, um, you're going to perform your best, and I feel like it's showing, showing at the moment. So yeah, it is a really enjoyable place to be at the moment. So it's nice. You're living in Manchester as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're loving the, the city life. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, like where I'm from, like back Oz, so I probably wouldn't like live city life like once footy was done. So yeah, enjoying it at the moment. It's always a bit of atmosphere and something doing in there. So yeah, it keeps me keeps me sane. Are you, are you living on your own or with? Yeah, um, with, yeah, yeah, with, with a partner at the moment, yeah, so she's over. Um, yeah, which is good, obviously, having her here for, for, for the season and whatnot. She only comes for the for the summers, though, so she uh, gets, a, <laughs> gets the best of both worlds. Oh, good stuff, good stuff. And playing with, with Bev, obviously, you, you're going to be asked a lot of questions about what it's like to, to play alongside each other, but because you've, you've come through the ranks together in, in Oz and stuff like that and you've been familiar with each other and, and you're playing together at Wigan and you, you kind of bounce off each other don't you it's, it's, it's good to see what's it been like playing alongside it yeah it's, it's great um, I think I've said a few times as well like so, just having him out there gives you confidence like sometimes you can just fizz a ball out there and he might step five people or <laughs> chip and chase or yeah. just do something that a lot, of, a lot of other people can't do so yeah, it was really enjoyable having him out there and um, even better person, really. Obviously, the relationship off the field probably speaks for itself by how we perform together on the field. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely been enjoyable. Uh, and what's it been like under Matty Pete before? Yeah, um, amazing. Um, just just the ability that he's, the faith that, that he and like, Breezy Lockers have put, not just in me, um, but in the team to, to play what's in front of us and and just not sort of play with playing fear and making errors. I think it's really showed as well. Um, we just go and play free flowing and obviously if we make an error or something, we back out of fence at the moment. So just that belief that he's put in us and the team has been great. You're forward to a week off now as well? Yeah, um, obviously it'll be nice. Obviously long season, so hopefully the week off's beneficial and um, yeah, we can, we can win the semi and hopefully beat Old Trafford. Keep up with all things Rugby League 24-7. Head on over to loverugbyleague.com. So that's Jay Fields with Drew Derbyshire. And now the guests really do get big as we welcome Love Rugby League reporter and podcast regular Josh McAllister and editor uh, James Gordon to this week's podcast. Uh, welcome both. Let's start then, given this is a, a dream team and playoff special for the Love Rugby League podcast with that with that dream team selection. Oh, we all had a bash at uh, at ours. Now, I didn't actually know when we were doing this whether we were predicting what we thought the dream team selection would be or were we selecting what we would pick if we were in charge? Because some of us got quite close um, and there were a couple of selections that um, possibly could have got either way. What, what did we think, uh, James, first of all, about about the dream team? Um, yeah, I mean, I think 
yeah, it's, it's an interesting it's a, an interesting point you make there because I've not considered that approach myself either. Um, yeah, I mean the what the general the general consensus is not for you to agree. There's not been loads of negative feedback, which in rugby league circles is obviously quite rare, which suggests that the team isn't a million miles away from um, where it should be. Um, I think there was I think one probably one that surprised me was maybe Parsi not making it in because. I think obviously I watch, I, I think obviously I watch a lot of St. Helens because of, um, you know the the work I do with with Merseyside. But I think for he the impact that he's made for St. Helens this season has been right up there with anyone in their team. But I suppose does he maybe go beyond below the radar a little bit because he's often an interchange, isn't he? He's not the he's not the starting prop forward. So I, I can only think that maybe that counted. Um, counted against him I suppose an interesting um, an interesting point actually was on Jack Wellsby who of course has been in the dream team two successive seasons in two different positions which is uh, quite an achievement considering how young he is and obviously he's been shortlisted for young player of the year for the second year running as well yeah I'm trying to remember who I went I can't remember if I went for Lomax or not in, in the halves but yeah I mean it's, it's a really good team The the I think the points of debate Roby was always going to be the hooker the dream team hooker he had to be, but I, 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 I think in that conversation had to be the performances el- elsewhere. Speak to anyone about Levi at, at Huddersfield, and they will say what an integral part he has played in, in their success this season with the the Challenge Cup final, which should have been a Challenge Cup win, uh, and whatever they're going to do now in the playoffs, and you know crunching the numbers and going through the stats as as I did. Andy Acker's his stats just blew my mind, and every time I've seen Salford, I, th- I thought he. He was never going to get in the dream team ahead of Roby, but I thought his stats deserved recognition. Uh, the other ones were at 13, it seemed to be. Is it uh, going to be Morgan Knowles or Morgan Smith? Is also, if you look at the stats, Joe Westerman as good as anyone in, in that position uh, at 13. Uh, and then in the hookers, uh, uh, in the uh, in the centres, I beg your pardon, I think Latelli had a good shout alongside. It was Kenny Dow, wasn't it? And Lafay who got the nod. I think other than that, the team... The team pretty much um, picked itself. Uh, another thing I would say, I would say on it, it was quite a bizarre way it was done. It's it's kind of like this is the all this is the way we have always done dream team. Uh, we're just going to present it and get the players in the kit and bring them out. It was eight forty five on a Sunday morning. <laughs> it, it was, and I know we've, we're kind of squeezing the end of the season here into um, you know into a very short space of time. He just. You know, I just thought of what they do in, in Australia and the NRL and the glitz and the glamour. And we were in a function room at the AJ Bell at 8.45 on a Sunday morning. It just struck me as all a little bit odd. Yeah, it's, it's always awkward at the end of the season, isn't it? Because you're wanting to do end-of-season dinners and awards nights and stuff. But obviously, you can't wait till after the season has happened because the players sort of disappear. And clearly, they're the key men, key people to be there. Um, I, I've got, didn't we used to vote for this? Back in the day, didn't we? Didn't journalists used to vote for the dream team? Because it's now decided by the Man of Steel panel, yeah, which is made up of whoever it's made up of. But I'm sure, back in the day, at least maybe maybe pre-COVID, perhaps I'm sure it used to be based on on, on journalist votes. But I might I might be getting it confused with something else. But um, I can't remember. I can't. I, I, I can't. Personally, I can't remember voting, but... Um, yeah, because the, the reason why I say that is because I vaguely remember 
you know, York, a Yorkshire journalist nominating a full 13 of Yorkshire based players because he <laughs> said, well, they were the they were the players that he watched. And it was like, well, who were they playing against? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was the only reason that, that triggered me. But yeah, I agree. It's, it, it, but I, I think it's one of those, I think that an announcement like this, ideally you'd have it in a nice ceremony that you get people to and, and do it properly. Um, I don't know whether there's a fear factor that Super League couldn't do that or couldn't attract the fans to do it. But yeah, it certainly was a an odd timing for for a press call. Um, but I was I was told Drew Drew told me that the bacon butties were nice. So, <laughs> well, one one point I would make uh, on on the bacon butties is that there was it was effectively rolls and bacon. There, there was no available sauces and certainly no spread within within the uh, within the roll. So it seemed to be was hastily put together as the press conference itself, um, but it was free food, you know. And mm. at that time on a Sunday morning, you you, you wouldn't look. I was I was surprised actually not to see not to see Josh McAllister there. Josh, what was your uh, what was your selection? I'm trying to remember what you went for. Um, trying to look at the ones that didn't make it. I had Tommy Makinson on the wing. Right. Uh, I think all all of us that made our prediction of Liverpool League had Ricky Latelli in. Every single one of us. Mm. Uh, Jack Wellsby in the halves. I think you mentioned your halfback choice. You went for Brodie Croft and, and Mark Sneed. I went, oh, did I? Right. I went for Jack Wellsby and Brodie Croft, so spot on there. Um, <laughs> uh, apart from that, yeah, Alex Wormsley, 10, Liam Farrell, Chris McQueen, your back rowers. I had Luke Yates at, at 13. Um, but but as you said, there was no argument, I don't think, with the team that they put out. Um, Ricky Latelli probably being the hardest done by, but then when you see who was included in this place in Sean Kenny Dow, there was no arguments against him either. Uh, we'll just confirm, we'll talk about the playoffs in a sec, confirming that team then. It was Fields, French, Kenny Dow, Lafayette and CO, uh, Croft and Wellsby, Oletsky, Roby, Wormsley, Fowler, McQueen and Smithies. What struck me at the press conference as well was that both uh, was the walking wounded. Fowler had his big knee brace on, it wasn't good for him. And Alex Wormsley raised a few eyebrows when, when he strolled into the room in a big moon boot as well, which we're told is largely precautionary, but you could see all the journalists in the room double taking because obviously you're looking for, you're sniffing around for news stories. And suddenly Alex Wormsley strolls in in a, a moon boot as well. Just one other point on that as well. And it was, you know, it's straight off the back of a lot of these players who've been playing Saturday. You know, Leeds, Leeds and Cass have played uh, in an awful game on Saturday. So, you know, they were there, Rowan Smith, the coaches were there as well. And pretty much all the players who I spoke to, said I said how are you and how was your last match and they all said oh bloody awful it was almost like you know that they everyone has just limped over the line into the playoffs and it's another question entirely about which we've done a lot on Love Rugby League about uh, how much rugby is too much rugby but it, it really struck me speaking to the players that I did on Sunday for this dream team and playoff announcement where it's supposed to be hype and excitement and adrenaline and buzz there was a lot of fatigue a lot of injury a lot of weariness um, it was yeah, that, that, I, I remember driving away from that thinking these players are absolutely knackered and now they've somehow got to turn themselves around and put on a show uh, next weekend uh, let's look at the playoffs then starting in the south of France uh, James with Leeds going back to play to play Catalan again Leeds looking at it with, with the sides left in I think are the rank outsiders at the moment we, I, I would probably and, you know I'm speaking as someone from Leeds I would probably expect Catalan to beat the Rhinos again as convincingly as they did 10 days ago or whenever it was. Yeah, I mean, it was it was an interesting one like, because Leeds had obviously been on that that 
upwards climbing form. And, and I genuinely thought that they could go into that game 10 days ago or wherever it was and beat Catalan. And if they'd have managed to do that, then Leeds would have ended up finishing fourth in the table and they would have had the home, the home playoff. There's a Catalan have sort of, since they beat St. Helens in, in what was almost a game that kept their top two hopes alive, since they beat St. Helens, they've been very inconsistent. But there's a theory flying around that maybe Steve McNamara has looked at it and felt that they wouldn't be able to finish top two given the form of St. Helens and Wigan has instead managed his players as best as he can to get to this stage of the season, you know, with as much freshness as possible. I know I read Sam Tompkins had said some stuff about how he was fine and it's just he'd, he'd had some bumps and bruises that he decided to sit out from. I think you'd have to say Catalan a favourite at home, but then at the same time, I think, you know, although they've wobbled a little bit leads in the last couple of weeks, the way that they've transformed since Rowan Smith took over and they're gonna, they're gonna, it's going to be a game and it's going to be a, hopefully a, a really a really entertaining game as a, as a playoff should be. I just think Leeds did actually miss a massive opportunity to get that home because I think if it had been at Headingley, it would have been a completely different proposition. Yeah, yeah no, I completely agree. That If that picture's at Headingley, I'd back Leeds to win it every single, nine times out of ten. I think in the south of France, and we'll talk uh, in a second, any other business about the Reese martin band, but Leeds haven't got a kicker either. Uh, well, Zach Hardacre will be kicking by all accounts, but I was on I was on that call with with Sam Tompkins and Steve McNamara this week from the Catalan Dragons, and this is actually going to be the first time in a long time that they're almost fully fit as a squad. You're right; they've had a lot of players out, which has uh, it's contributed to to a sticky patch. They've had a, a strange spell they've gone through where they have fallen off the pace, but uh, I, I think they'll be very strong. I think they'll probably be too strong uh, for Leeds. Sorry, Joe. You look at you look at those games you're saying about um, about the players rocking up at Dream Team, looking battered and bruised. You look at the way Catalan have sort of managed the end of their season here, and clearly we play extra games because clubs feel like they can generate more revenue from the extra games, whether it be from seed ticket holders or whatever. But it's almost getting to the point now where fans are going to start realizing that that's what's happening, and then thinking, well, actually. There's no point in me buying a season ticket if they're just going to throw three or four games at the end of the season. I might as well just pay on the gate. So then it completely negates it. So, um, But, of course, the performance departments of clubs aren't too fussed about that. I suppose they, you know, their, their sole focus is getting their team in the best shape. Catalan went you know, really close last season. And it reminds me a little bit of when Warrington did it, when Warrington first won the League Leaders' Shield and they, they, they sort of put a load of energy into finishing top of the table and then fell up short in the grand final. Whether Catalan have sort of followed almost that same mantra where it's like, well, we, we finished top last season, but what, what have we got to show for it? Nothing really, because we mm. lost the grand final. Whereas this season, it's like, well, as long as we're in that top four and we're at home in the semi-final, you know, we'll focus on them last three games of the season. So it'll be interesting to see how, if they can, flick the switch and find their best form again. Uh, so that's uh, Leeds on Friday night in the south of France, and then it's the latest instalment of the Ian Watson derby, Huddersfield and, and Salford. Josh, um, are, are we are we tipping Salford, who are, have been brilliant to watch, or might this be one step too far for them? Do you think? Yeah, I'll, I'll be there Saturday. They only played each other, didn't they? Me and you were there, George, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, the televised match on Channel Four, and and Salford blew them off, off off the pitch. So if you were going from that performance and that day, if you can get another hot day this Saturday, I'm not sure what the weather will be, then you you would tip Salford, I think. 
Yeah, what do you what do you think, James? I, I'm going to go Salford in that one. I'm, I'm going for a Catalan Salford double. I think in the, in the first round of the playoffs. What about you, Gordon? Um, I think it's a tough one to call, but of course you want them to be tough to call in the playoffs because that's that's surely the point. I think Ian Watson. I know he said that as much as people were focusing on that most recent meeting, that of course they'd beat them twice earlier in the season. I almost feel like. <laughs> You almost look at the game and you wonder who's got more to lose. Is there more expectation on Huddersfield because they're at home and then Salford can sort of go at it? Well, not like a free hit, but as maybe as underdogs. But then the way that Salford have been playing and the way that they've been built up, you almost get to the stage now with them where you feel actually they might quite believe in themselves um, to actually do it. And, you know, I know it was under a different coach and, you know, obviously Ian Watson, in fact, a few years ago that they've made a grand final. Salford as a club have shown that they can get through the, the playoffs and get to the big game. And I actually think that of all the teams, Salford are probably the one... I, I don't think St. Helens would want to play Salford in, in the semi-final. I think they'd prefer to play against Huddersfield. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. What, what interests me about this fixture is that both Huddersfield and Salford, to some extent, throughout this season, have wanted to be and have spoken about going under the radar. And I, I agree with you. I don't think either of the clubs can anymore. I think Huddersfield, the minute they reached the, the Challenge Cup final, couldn't go under the radar because everyone was watching them and seeing how good a side they were. And actually, I, you know, I think they, they, they should have won that game. They, they almost had it. And Salford, the way that they've been playing, everyone has been raving about them on Love Rugby League elsewhere. Everyone's been saying how watchable Salford are. So it's almost like people now are expecting them to turn up and get a result. So uh, two great games of which I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching. Uh, just finally on this week's podcast and the edit, any other business and throw in, throw in anything you want here, but we're recording this. I've just got off, off a call with uh, the Leeds boss, Rowan Smith, and obviously the big talking point was the disciplinary and Reese Martin, not only is he suspended for Leeds' trip to Catalan, but because Leeds appealed it and that was dismissed, they added on another game. So he's going to be suspended pretty much all the way until the grand final if against the odds Leeds managed to get there. Uh, he, he wasn't He's not an animated guy, so he wasn't particularly animated, but he said some very telling things about the process and the fact that it, it really needs a rethink because Rowan Smith said he's spoken to legal people and lawyers and the term frivolous is being used by the RFL in a completely different way than anyone in the legal profession. It's almost, and I think I'm trying to remember what his quote was. It said, the disciplinary works that you're guilty and then if you appeal against it, you're found guiltier. So there's absolutely nothing you can do. Um, whether or not you agree with the incident, I've, I've had a, a look back and I thought it was soft. Uh, just the whole it, the whole point about this is that it's so fraught with danger. If you feel wronged, you've really got to weigh up whether it is worth you appealing because you can just make it worse. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I said, uh, I, I wondered whether anybody asked whether they can appeal against the frivolous appeal ban because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, what, at what point do you draw the line? I mean... I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not massive on the appeal process because I think sometimes it, it used to be silly when players would get a two-match ban, then they'd appeal and then it'd be one match. And I'm always and I'd be sat there thinking, well, what what on earth has happened between in the 24 hours between they've seen the incident and then them appealing it? They've, and I think that's sort of the point that's being made across. It's like when clubs are appealing, it it seems like they're not they're not going back to them with any new evidence what their issues are have been is they're appealing because they don't agree with the initial decision, not because they've got any evidence to the contrary. Clearly the disciplinary process has turned into a bit of a, into a bit of a farce. You know, it almost feels like 
Monday and Tuesday night now are almost the biggest nights in rugby league, even bigger than the games. And that's when the disciplinary is. And that's that's how much of a farce it's turned into. Obviously, there's all this litigation in the background, which is, you know, surely a contributory factor to what's going on. The clubs have voted for the system that's in place now. So it is a system that's being devised and the clubs have been aware of it. But clearly... It, it needs a massive rethink because people are, are absolutely turning off from the game. And I know there's people that will say that that's not the case, but, you know, it, you look at that tackle that Reece Martin did and you think, right, if, 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 he's, getting a, if he's getting a ban for that, we're going to have bans handed out left, right and centre. And we have had bans handed out left, right and centre. The fact is, is the nature of the sport is so fast. You know, you've got tiring players, you know, the changing direction, you know, all these collisions that they're in. There is going to be accidental contact that they can do absolutely nothing about. And it's like, at what point can rugby league, at what point or where can rugby league get to where it, it can accommodate those accidental collisions without it being too much ban, three match ban? And maybe we are going to have to wait until this litigation from former players, you know, goes all the way. But I mean, I mean, I don't know, George, you might know more than me, but how long is that going to be? It could be years mm. down the line. And, yeah. and, and what damage is going to be done to rugby league as a spectator sport in, in that period? Yeah, I'd completely agree with that. Josh, you were on that call with Rowan Smith, although I, I, I noted you sacked it off halfway through, so you might have missed uh, you might have missed this bit that I, I'm just going to talk about, where he actually Rowan alluded to gathering the Dream Team press gathering on the Sunday morning, and he said, "If this was such a big incident, and dis- not a, why did not a single person in that room, not another player, not another coach, not another journalist, and we, we're always after stories, nobody on Sunday morning mentioned." anything about Reese Martin and then suddenly a day or two later he's losing one of his was one of his his key men it was it was interesting Josh what he said Rowan Smith without getting angry which he doesn't but he clearly was wasn't he yeah you could tell the disappointment and, and someone else brought up as well the fact that Alex Mellor's come out and said yes it wasn't even a penalty never mind a ban and he did he did come to the point where Rowan Smith was, what was it the uh, match view panel aren't, aren't going to do anything because a friend's backing a friend because obviously for, former teammates. But when the, the the person that was on the receiving end of this tackle that has been deemed to be a one-match ban, now a two-match ban, has come out and said it's not even a penalty, then you would think something needs to change there. And not only that, now going into the playoffs, any international player will have to be careful because it's been confirmed that, that bans will continue to the World Cup. Um, so any big bands that, that occur to international players that could see them miss out on big World Cup games. Yeah, it's almost like you might want to be rested for the grand final <laughs> if, you, if, you've got, if you've got big international ambitions. Uh, just before we wrap up, actually, speaking of any of the business, James, um, we, we, we should, we, we should um, note the big news boardroom-wise from the week, which was the imminent uh, removal or change of uh, Ralph Rimmer and Karen Morehouse leaving the, the RFL board. What, what was your reading? Obviously, it's the first big move in the, the brave new world of IMG, but without wanting to extend this podcast by another hour, what was your, what was your real reading of, uh, of, of what's, what might have gone on there? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's probably... A, there's obviously been a power struggle being happening over the last four or five years, you know, hence the split and the comeback, and there probably does need to be change there to, to bring some fresh ideas and you've got to give Ralph Rimmer credit to be fair for what he did during the pandemic in terms of negotiating with the government and getting something that other sports um, didn't didn't get um, you know I, I, I've obviously had 
a lot of press calls and and, and things with with Ralph Rimmer. And, you know, he's a, I've always found him to be a you know passionate guy about rugby league. People don't necessarily agree. He's probably guilty by association in some in some ways of of things. And the RFL do cop a lot of flack sometimes unfairly. And of course, he probably bears the the brunt of that. I thought it was quite sad when you read Karen Morehouse's comments about the abuse that Ralph gets, both in person and online, and and that being a reason why she wouldn't even consider. Um, going for that. But I think, yeah, it's probably got to a point where the the RFL does need freshening up a little bit and they need someone new at the top. And almost, you know, with with what's happening with IMG, you're almost, as you said, we've had countless new areas starting and it's a bit like, well, if we'd started it with the same people in charge, everyone's just going to think, oh, it's just, you know, it's the same old as, as what happened before. Whereas now this gives them an opportunity to, you know, to make a statement and, and come out. I still think that people, you know, with all due respect to IMG, I still think there's a, a, a huge expectation. There's a huge expectation and a huge um, pressure or whatever being put on IMG. And I'm not convinced that what IMG are there to do is what rugby league fans are expecting them there to be do to be doing. If that makes sense, I, I think that I think people have got to a point where they're that desperate that they want to see change that they've now think that IMG are going to come with the the golden bullet or the magic wand and do absolutely everything. And, and I'm, you know, and I'll wait and see what happens, but I think people may well be underwhelmed by the influence potentially that they themselves are going to have. And that's why these other people around it are going to be quite important as well. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that. It's no quick fix and it might not be a magic wand, but I think the key point uh, from Ralph Rimmer was it's the right time for him and it's the right time for the sport and I wouldn't disagree with either of those things Ralph is someone I've known professionally and personally um, just to add my thoughts finally for, for, for a long time and I was very very sad actually um, although I agreed that he's right he, this does need to happen I, I was sad and like you the abuse and I you know I've I've talked a lot about a lot of that with Ralph as he's gone through it and the way he just takes it stoically actually upset me because he shouldn't have to, regardless of what people think of the governing body. It's, it's, a, it's a human being. and The one thing I would say is that he's a very good man. He cares about the individuals in the sport, possibly too much. Possibly that's got in the way of him doing the job and making some decisions. But he's, he's always been a firefighter rather than a trailblazer, is the one I would say. And I think that just sums up where we are as a sport. He was always fighting Nigel Wood's fires. And even yeah. when he took over on his own, he was still fighting fires, so he never got the opportunity to be a, a trailblazing leader, which yeah, and I, and I, I, don't, people, I, I don't know if that's what we need now or not. Yeah, and I, I think people associated him with Nigel Wood, and that was part of the problem because, yeah. you know, obviously people had this, you know, probably rightly, in my opinion, negative view of Nigel Wood. I, I, I was thinking about payoffs, actually, because Nigel Wood got a sizable payoff by the RFL, and um, you know, there's not been any note. Uh, there's not been any uh, notice of that. I mean, just touching on that about Ralph and I remember going to. Um, I remember getting invited to like a round table dinner with you know a few of the RFL board and whatever and other press there. And I, this was probably I don't know ten years ago when I was you know probably it was in my mid twenties and I was still sort of feeling my way out. And I'd never met Ralph before. And I think I, was, I might have even been sat next to him or a couple down. And he he greeted me, hi James you know, shook my hand and had a little chat. And that I always felt, I always remembered that because I was, you know, for me, I was a bit like, well, I'm a nobody really in the grand scheme of things. You know, I'm not a national newspaper journalist and, you know, I'm not particularly going to open any doors for rugby league. Um, but I, I just thought that I almost, he's never met me before, but he greeted me warmly in that environment. 
and knew what I was about and what I would done. And I, I always, you know, sort of had a bit more, you know, a bit more time for him because of, because of that. And I think that ties in what you said there about the, the people and the individuals, maybe people on the outside don't see that sort of thing happening. They just see him as the boss of the RFL and everything that goes wrong is his fault. But clearly there's a, a massive, you know, probably tangled loads of wires underneath the boss at the yeah. RFL, which is causing, you know, where the problems are. Yeah. Uh, final thing I would say on that, you know, good men don't always make good leaders, but I can guarantee he is a good man. Uh, and I wish him all the best anyway. Let's, uh, let's, let's leave it there. Uh, thank you, James and Josh for your company as ever. And thank you for listening. Tell all your mates, get us downloaded, subscribed, reviewed, make sure you're here every week for the Love Rugby League podcast. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Love Rugby League podcast. Know someone who shares our collective love for rugby league? Let them know about this podcast and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Eager for more rugby league news? Visit loverugbyleague.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.